0: This is Mask off. I am Tia Fagan. And I'm Kim Gross. Who are you behind the masks you wear? We are here to have real conversations about how to live a more empowered and authentic life. So join us. Remove
1: your masks. Live your life.
0: Hey, everybody, welcome to another episode of Masks Off. I'm Kim and And I'm Tia. And we have with us today Jen Sash. So, as normal, I'm going to start with our quote and then we'll let Jen introduce herself. So, today's quote is go and play, run around, build something, break something, climb a tree, get dirty get in some trouble, have some fun. That's by Brahm. You will understand more why we chose that quote. So Jen, do you want to introduce yourself in your own words and help the listeners to understand why we chose that fun quote?
2: Yes. First of all, I love that quote and both of you women as well. And I'm super excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Mm -hmm. And, um, so I'm really excited to share my, my message and I want you to hear a little bit about me and it will all kind of make sense. So I am um, Mindful Mama Jen and I've been a, what I do now is I help moms move from disconnected to soul connected in their relationship with their children, very often moving their homes and hearts from hot mess to harmonious home. And uh, I do that through my Mindful Mama um, three-month program, but also just in my interactions with, with really any mom or caretaker, so a lot of educators as well. I've been a 20-year school psychologist. As of this year. Um, And I worked with little ones as a preschool teacher way back when, all the way up to college age. And in the last 14 years, I've been at the high school level as as a school psychologist in a really, really high achieving school district. Uh, It's one of the best schools in the whole nation, actually. So people come from all over. And So in the last year, I've taken a personal leave um, in relation to COVID. I'm a single mom, I have two kids of my own, a 10 year old and a 12 year old. And we just didn't know with this pandemic what the year was going to look like. And I um, so I walked the walk and I really wanted to be present for my children and figured, you know what, if I'm not making a salary, cause I was pausing from doing that as a school psychologist, then that's okay. I just, I need to put one foot in front of the other and be present and uh, and we'll get through it, and so that's where we are. And in doing so, the, all of these amazing opportunities have opened up in um, the entrepreneurial world. And so I have been for a little over six months, been working with these moms in the context of this program, um, and it's been incredible. I wish I had something like this when I, you know, as a mom, um, because I think it's a really isolating, unfortunately. Uh, position, uh, so to speak. And they're, I think, if you talk to most moms, they feel just really burnt out and like a million. Uh, wheel spinning, lots on their plate, but that they have to just, it just is the way it is. And that's simply not true. And so um, I've been able to provide moms with a community of other moms where they're able to feel like, wow, I'm actually not that messed up and I'm not screwing up my kids. <laughs> and it's been so beautiful to see not only how they've shifted in uh, communicating and interacting with their children and tuning to them, uh, but also personally on it, as on a mom level, uh, just being separate from their kids and, and rediscovering who they are again mm-hmm. and watching them pursue these dreams in such a short amount of time has been, for me, like, I don't know if it's the most exciting part, up movie because it was unanticipated, um, really, really neat to see.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, uh,
2: yeah, so that's a little bit about me.
1: Wow, that. that is
0: fantastic. I love that.
1: That's incredible. And I love just how you talk about it. Your energy is just so clear in that your love for this work is right there. It's, it's incredible. So with that quote and what we were going to talk about today and then see where the conversation goes, because I know you're going to have just amazing tidbits is talking about, you know, as we grow and become moms in particular, any caregiver or parent, we lose that childlike state within us and the playfulness. So, how do you help parents, moms who've lost that sense of play and childlike connection to themselves or to with their kids? how How do you approach that with parents moving forward?
2: Yeah, so there, there's a few things. I mean, like I said, separate from even the program, uh, a lot of what I do is modeling. So that you know, I'm I'm not on social media a lot, and part of that is because I really um, want to be present with whoever I am with in each moment, or myself. Mm-hmm. And so I, I do feel as silly as it might sound that I'm like allergic to technology, mm-hmm. and I literally I feel like in my at the cellular level, it's just like it, and so. Um, but what I when I do use it is is very intentionally. And so, for instance, um, after school, when most kids are running around to forty seven different activities, mm-hmm. and then coming home and doing an inordinate amount of schoolwork after they've already been little grown ups all day long in a classroom setting, sitting with very little, you know, time for play. Which mm-hmm. I can get back to that too. But it's gotten so much worse over time. Um, So I will very intentionally, um, like post things like that on social media so that parents have permission and encouragement and inspiration, hopefully to play with their kids, to be present with their kids, to, um, to reclaim family time. And I think, um, it really, I, I've always been someone who kind of like shakes things up and, uh. So it's people either get really, really scared, but even still, they, they, they listen, I think. And, and a lot of responses I'll get is we can do that. We can like <laughs> say to a teacher or a kids, like we're not going to do homework today. And I say, it's not about that. You know, it's you want to you want to work with the school. So like every year at the beginning of the year, I talk to my children's teachers about my philosophy, Mm -hmm. about what our family values are. And so in my program I'm working with, Uh, the moms that I work with, too. There's a big um, component of like part one is a lot of Dr. Shefali's work and conscious parenting and just being present and attuning to our children um, and that you can read all of the books, but that's not going to really do much for you. In fact, I think in my experience, it screwed me up a lot more um, because we we don't give ourselves enough credit, right? Like we know instinctually, especially with our kids, uh, when we start to, to still ourselves, how to become attuned to them so that in real time, we can figure out what it is our kids need. And I do have a framework that I can also tell you um, that I with my parents so that it's quick because parents... Moms need something that's simple and quick and yeah. easy, right? Cool. So first I'll talk about, like, finish the story with the educators, and then I'll talk about the moms. So, because I think they're inextricably linked. Um, and I want our kids to know that, that we're working collaboratively with the best of intentions. And that whether it is uh, a teacher or a parent or whomever it is, that we're all doing our best. It just may look really different. And so... Um, so I meet with the teachers and I explain to them that I feel very strongly that kids need to be kids. And, you know, as you know, my, the, the title of today's podcast is Fireflies and Mud Pies. And that is because there is no greater joy and bliss than that, that childlike sense of want and wonder. Mm-hmm. And so kids are born with that. And I, my mission is to do whatever we can to preserve it. It's not that we need to teach it. We need to preserve it in them. And that's twofold, both in our houses with, you know, as the mom, as well as in the classroom setting, which depending upon where your kids go to school, there's all different educational settings, right? Um, some classrooms might be much more demanding and like that traditional model, teacher-directed, um, versus let's say a Montessori school or somebody who's homeschooling. So um, it's going to be a little bit different, but I think the key is communication and, and for us, whether it's family values being shared with our kids in the the context of the home or with the teacher, their teachers saying, look, it's really important for us to have um, downtime and for you to also, I'm going to respect you is what I say to the teachers and do my best to, to, you know, to support you, but let's keep the lines of communication open that I really do believe kids need time for rest and time to uh, discover where their interests lie, their their passions. So I think time for curiosity and creativity, because I think that that leads to um, kids finding their you know, inherent passions and ultimately their purpose and their path. And I see that getting squelched for 20 years now. And mm-hmm. so, uh, you know, I, I do feel so fortunate that I have both of those lenses, both as a mom and as an educator and as a child mm-hmm. myself, where I also grew up in a home very much um, about play. Mm-hmm. And so it was modeled for me as well. And um, so I I think, I mean, I've been really successful in, in working with the, the teachers for the most part, of course, not all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, I also meet with all the administrators. So I meet with the principal and I, and I buy all of them, the book Beyond Measure by Vic, uh, Vicki Abelis, who, if you heard of the documentary, The Race to Nowhere,
1: mm-hmm. um,
2: it's kind of the follow up to that. And just this idea that we're on this like treadmill, this race to what, and, and the to what is to this idea of um, success, but how we define success is vastly different from one person to the next. Right. Like actually, at least for me, my definition is very different than sort of that traditional model of of school. Mm-hmm. And you know, I don't I don't fault the teachers. I think. You know, it's just the world that we're living into has shifted so dramatically. And the United States is looking at these other countries just to, you know, and test scores. And then you have the media that's publishing, you know, what the best schools are. And what is that based on? Well, if you look at what it's based on, it's based on the number of AP classes. It's based on, you know, um, like everything related to demand and performance. An outcome and I'm all about like the journey and the gray and the joy and the bliss. And and I do think that you know learning is wonderful, but where where the problem lies is when that curiosity for learning is squashed and we're not allowing the student to lead or do the dance, you know, with the teacher that's where where really the trouble kind of comes in. So yeah, I can definitely
0: speak on that because mm-hmm. before I had my kids and my son's 21, but I was a high school teacher. And so coming from the pressure from administration, well, really from the state. So I live in New York, so you know how it is with the regents exams and things like that, that there's so much pressure on teachers to teach to the test. It's all about, and, and again, I don't know if I just said, but I taught high school. So I had the high school kids. So it was all about the regents exam, all about the regents exam. I actually at one point chose to take the at-risk kids because they had like a school within a school. And so with the at-risk kids, fortunately or unfortunately, they weren't held to the same standards as the mainstream it allowed me more flexibility because I didn't have to necessarily stick to that test the way others did because mm. there wasn't the expectation that they were going to pass. Anyway, there wasn't even the expectation. They would come to school, but it allowed me to be more creative mm. in what I could teach. Mm. And that's why I, no one in the English department wanted oh, yeah, the yeah, target yeah. program. They're like, why are you choosing that? <laughs> like, mm, you, you know what I mean? Yes. There's a method to my madness. And once I made connections with those students, and it wasn't all of them, but I, once I learned how to connect, then they, they wanted to learn. They, they were engaged. It was different than at that standpoint. And, you know, talk about play. Like I had them do, we did fundraisers where they sold candy bars and they earned money and saved up. And then at the end of the year, we went to we took the money and we went to great escape, which is in like the Adirondacks of New York. So it's an amusement park and they were so all about it. You should have seen these kids selling candy bars. They're like coming in with their boxes every day. Like I need more, I need more candy bars. And, but it was just, and then I created all kinds of lesson plans around that. Do you know what I mean about? So it was life, it was more like life learning. Creativity, play, all of that, and and it was so different. But the way the state, and I don't know how it is across the country, but the state in New York, just and these freaking tests, standardized tests. Yes. Talk about taking the life out of learning.
2: Yeah, yeah, they're soul killers too. So they kill the learning, they the, all of it. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I'm in New York too, so I mean, yeah, same, so I you know, the same lens. But I, I love that. Um, I love that story. And I think it speaks to so much. There's there's really a lot there. There's that hope that there is another way,
1: right? Mm-hmm. And there's I
2: so, you know, you use the word connect. And that is so that's essential to everything, right? Like that's where that's what life is all about, is connecting. Yep. And when you're so focused on a test and an outcomes and all of that, and there's so much research to support too that Um, like even in the book Beyond Measure that I mentioned before, the way they gave, um, you know, two groups of of children um, a reading passage. And then one of the groups, they said, you're going to be tested on it. Mm -hmm. And the other group, they just said, read for fun. Mm -hmm. And the group that was just reading for pure enjoyment actually took the test as well, but they did better on it, which is like so fascinating, right? And so there's so much out there like that, that when we, because people forget that kids have free will. And when we're, putting these demands on our children at home and at school and then they do something sneaky or they rebel in whatever way they do we just get all like upset and we think it's a reflection on us and why right. they but it's it's not about that and it's mm-hmm. just we've we've really zapped their childhood their free will and so and and that idea you know I mentioned the word purpose before and I you know you said that they it was like real life right and they were getting excited and I love that and I think that's what really like education needs to be it needs to be life needs to be the classroom because that's Mm -hmm. it it makes it so much more meaningful the learning too instead of just like this separate and that's just good teaching anyway. Like you learn that, you know, in graduate school, what what's best practices and what's good teaching. But yet when I reflect back on my childhood, you know, I remember one particular example in seventh grade and I had this teacher and we were, you know, it was a math teacher. And, and if I wasn't a school psychologist, I wanted to become a math teacher. So I, you know, I love math, but this teacher and if I honestly forget what the topic was, I must really repressed it emotionally. Mm-hmm. But I said, what do we need this for in like, and I wasn't looking to be a pain in the neck, mm-hmm. I, mean, yeah. I could be at times, but I really wasn't. And she made me turn my desk around very, very like old school, traditional. Oh, and, and really, there was such a sense of shame and helplessness. And for the rest of that year, I hated that teacher. And, and it took a topic that I that I typically loved. And um, and the message, it was it was very clear, you know. And I bet
0: you how well
2: did you do in that class? You I probably did well also. Did well. I, well, screw you, I'll show you. Yeah. Okay. And it, I, I didn't get diagnosed until graduate school with ADHD, but for some reason, it was the one subject where I could just do, do, do and come back and do really yeah. well. Um, but yeah, part of that was a lot of times she was yelling at me for not paying attention. And so I think it was like, oh, see, oh, if I wasn't paying attention, how could I? How could I do this? Gotcha. Yeah. But very often that is the case. And I have had other subject areas where when you don't get that connection and and that meaning, then I certainly didn't do as well. And I see it, you know, in, in the high school students and the little ones that I, that I worked with. You know, when you feel like they're not attuned to you, like they're not... We call it in, in psychology, like um, joining the resistance. And I, like I said, I wasn't looking to re- be resistance, but everybody wants to know, like, what's in it for me. Sure. Regardless, it's just life. Our time is so valuable. It's the one thing we can't get back. And so, when we can make, as an educator, end of the mom, you know, um, our children understand, like, why it's important that they know something. Usually it makes life a lot easier for everybody involved.
1: Yeah. Well, I would love the to see, Go ahead, Kim.
0: I was going to say, I would love to see such a paradigm shift just in education and the parenting. And I know it's going to take time and I would love to see like yoga being implemented mindful eating, how many freaking kids end up with eating disorders, not just because of the emotional stuff. That's a big part of it, but they're, they're They have 20 minutes to eat their lunch. It's like, just inhale it. You just can have
2: lunch. lunch, So that's a big fight that I fought in my high mm. school and I worked in for years is like, they don't even have to have lunch. So that way they can oh. add another advanced placement class.
1: Oh my goodness. That, Yeah, it's
2: well, just, I feel, you <sighs> know, the parents are blaming the school and the school's blaming the parents. I know. know. Saying, because I'm saying, look, we have a responsibility as, as a school. If we say every kid has to have lunch, then we explain to the colleges and yeah. now we've done the right thing. And yet there was, there was a lot of resistance. And, you know, the school that I, that I've worked at for so long, like I said, it was one of the best in the nation, it is one of the best in the nation, even more so this year, it was just ranked. And um, so we're considered a lighthouse district. So Like people, school districts and then organizations look to our district. And to me, that's such an opportunity that I get out there and say, screw this, we're not doing the SATs and the ACTs anymore. And uh, here's all the reasons why, you know, I hope you have a lot of time because like from a mental health perspective, but even from their intentions, if you look at like the correlation between um, how kids do on those exams there's only a correlation, a significant correlation between how they perform an exam in their first year of college, and it's only 0.16% correlation. So, I mean, they're killing themselves for these stupid exams that there's very little meaning behind, and the cost.
0: I was going to say, it's become such a profitable industry, though, right now with all the tutors, listen, my I paid for my daughter to have an SAT coach. So mm-hmm. you just get caught up in the rat race of it all. Yeah. But again,
2: what? <laughs> yeah, you do or you don't. I mean, it is possible, really. And that is my, like, that's probably my, my biggest legacy, I think, is mm-hmm. just like, I refuse to succumb to, to that. and And it's, and I'm not in the easiest of situations, because I'm, in, you know I'm divorced and my ex-husband has a really different philosophy than I do and he has that sort of um, stereotypical definition of what success is, and again, these mm-hmm. intentions are are good, I'm sure. Just like these other parents who feel like if they don't do these things, they're not being a good mom. If they don't get them the SAT, you know, tutoring, and I'm not, you know, yeah. I'm gonna knock on you or or any parents. I oh, think, yeah. I think that they're, you know, we look around at what everybody else is doing, and um, and then the i then the story that they tell themselves is like. The majority of people which is right. this is what has to happen to what to get into a good school for what to get to a good job and have security and make money and then those are the same people that are miserable mm-hmm. and that end up you know with some spiritual awakening if they're lucky at right. 50 60 70 years old right looking back and saying oh my gosh i lost decades of my life mm-hmm. because i put on this mask because of what society says success is and it really doesn't have to be like that and so that's why um, i will use the platform of social media especially in those instances to really model and to challenge um, parents educators politicians everyone and anyone who will listen um that like there really is another way and kids can succeed and actually again the research shows they usually do much better on, on every level.
0: So if there were listeners or moms that are wanting to make some small changes and incorporate more play, or they have some awareness that the way the old way isn't working, we got to do something different. How can, how can we begin to start to incorporate this play and just shift some? Because I mean, everyone's busy. Like you said, in the beginning of the interview, everyone is yeah. juggling so many things and like, Play? Are you kidding me? That's the last thing I have time for.
2: Totally. Totally. So there's, there's like a kind of higher framework that I can give you, um, to the listeners and, and, um, and for you both too. Um, and it's based on the work that I do with the moms and kind of like step one is, is like mindfulness basically. So just like, am I present? And so what moms can do and parents and educate is like, am I present? How do you become present? step one is put the freaking phones away, mm-hmm. right? Like you're telling our kids yep. right. and and that's hard, you know? And it's like, there's a lot of serenity prayer that I use. And because some things are really out of our control, right? Like, right. so if our kids are going to school and now what does school look like? It's behind a screen and it's like right. very cringy for me. Um, <laughs> but so I have to let go of certain things, but then that, other time is that much more precious. And so for me, like I'm not addicted to my device. Like I know so many other people are, and again, it's not a knock on them. It's, this is how they were built these, these phones and, and, you know, to make us addicted. And so, but working on that, you know, the first step is just that, that awareness. And so for me, what I'll tell moms is like, leave your, if your kids are with you, leave the phone in the car. And Mm -hmm. I've done that accidentally. And Hours later, have realized, oh, I don't have my phone. Whereas most people probably realize much quicker sooner. I don't because um, this is so part of who I am, just this like connection and play and we're outside as much as possible. So that's another big piece is, you know, I always say like try to match screen time with green time mm-hmm. to the best of I love life. that. Yeah. And it's really like a tangible kind of thing and that you can tell your kids, you can, you know, put it up somewhere so that you remember I'm a big, like, if it's out of sight, it's out of mind, that's just me. So I have like post-its and signs and I have, you know, pictures with like our family values that we talk about, like, what's important to us, like my one rule when, and this is another thing parents can do. Um, so part one is like, am I present? That's the question you want to be asking yourself throughout the day. Am I present? The next question is, um, it, it's based on this, idea in acceptance and commitment therapy called choice point. And what that means basically is like, are we, it combines mindfulness, but it also combines it with our values. So like, am I living a life that's in alignment with my values? And we don't think about that a lot. And before I got certified in ACT, I didn't really think about it, but I knew I was I knew I was on the right path because I had already really good practicing mindfulness, but I felt like there was something missing. And that was what was missing. It's because we have our goals that we focus on, but goals are different than mm-hmm. that. Totally. And so when we take a look at our values and there's so much on the internet that like, you know, in the interest of time for your viewers to, they can certainly contact me, um, you know, and I can help guide them even just at, like for free consultation um, because the can also be very overloaded, overwhelming going on the internet too. But once you find out what your values are, so in my case, I have become such a workaholic and it wasn't until the COVID pause and getting the certification that I was like, Oh my God, there's nothing more to me than relationships. And yet I'm not spending any time there really, mm-hmm. unless the kid or the person that I'm working with is ready, is having suicidal thoughts. Cause that's what I've worked with is just in a mode of handling crisis As a school psychologist, you know, if if it was just to kind of hang out with a friend or family, it was, no, I could be saving someone's life right Mm -hmm. now. And that's not healthy either, you Mm -hmm. know, so here I am trying to teach parents and educators to regulate themselves so that they get out of that hyper arousal fight or flight state. And yet I'm in it myself just because of the role that I've been operating as a school psychologist for so long. So that was really eye-opening for me. And I I really started shifting and asking myself the, the question too after, am I present, is am I moving towards or away from being in connection with my kids? Mm-hmm. um and that's the question that i have moms ask you know in my program but in the traditional model of choice point it's am i moving towards or away from the life i want to be living in accordance yeah. with my values and so it's going to look bigger than just in the context of your children Any questions about that or thoughts? Yeah, I
1: mean, you know, Kim and I have a course, it's called aligning with your true north. And one of our true north is their true north value. You know, because if we aren't aware of what our value system is, how do we know what direction we're going? Mm -hmm. And like you said, I love that. Are we moving towards or away? And it's such an important way to come back and return and remember like, Oh, wait a minute. Is this choice in alignment with myself and what I want to bring in with my children or my family or in my relationship, whatever it is in your work, it, it encompasses so much, but like you said, we haven't been taught that. How many of us were taught that? Exactly.
2: Exactly. You
1: just fly by the seat of your pants a lot of the time, or you do what other people have told you, like in the school system or in the conditioning, but what is right for you as an individual and what do you want to pass along? And have that, because that's really part of your legacy.
2: 100%, 100%. And a big part of what I um, also have learned a lot about and received some recent training, and because it's, it's huge, is our habits. And so in it's it's our conditioning, like you said, in terms of society and all of that, but also our own habits. Because mm-hmm. how many times, I know for myself, are we doing something and we're thinking, I shouldn't be doing this. I know this is not in my best interest <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. Or
2: or my kid's best interest or, and, and we have these hidden, this is where the masks also kind of come on. Exactly. Like, you know, if they, if people saw me doing this now, and in my case, as a psychologist, like it was then this life, is shame. So it really, mm-hmm. it breaks that cycle. So the moms that I'm working with, I have them in each moment, like, and journaling on it. Um, Because I buy them this like mindful mama kits also like, you know, just breaking those habits. That's like my big goal is let's change things. It doesn't have to be big. Mm -hmm. But it's, you know, they have this little post it or a pretty printout of it just with the questions. Am I present? Am I moving towards or away, which like Mm -hmm. I said, choice point I had yesterday on my wrist, you could probably see the remnant still CP for myself, just choice Mm -hmm. point. It's a reminder throughout my day. So that way with my kids in particular, I'm not getting caught in that whirlwind of seeing the dishes and my, you know, bitchy attitude because I'm thinking all the things I have to do Right. look at my wrist that works for me. You know, it's just those visual reminders. Um, But that's really important is looking at your habits and, and doing what you can in small, small steps mm-hmm. to change it. And when you have these questions, this is a small, simple way to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it also takes away that storyline. That's what I love about it. So in each moment, just is this. Forget about the story because we can convince ourselves of anything. Oh, yeah. Right. I know I'm like the queen of rationalization, and or I was anyway. I'm working on it. And so, just is this towards or away? And then it's a lot, you know, more difficult to kind of lie to ourselves, and mm-hmm. we catch ourselves, and because then we have to actually intentionally go away from our kid, which feels not so good. Instead of on automatic pilot away mm-hmm. from them. And then that last question is just um, like, what action step? Can mm-hmm. I take so activating? And yep. um, that could be going outside and playing. That mm-hmm. could just be am I really listening to what they're saying and tuning to it? Or mm-hmm. am I so in my head with everything that I need to do? As moms, it's so hard. We have so much to get done. Mm-hmm. But that's why that value piece, you know, that you both spoke about too in your true north, it's so. It's so powerful. Um, one of the acronyms, too, that I've come up with is YMCA. Like, I want to sing the songs every <laughs> wedding. So there's, and it's another way to kind of remind ourselves. So the why is like, what's the why? Which is like the values, right? Mm-hmm. But it's also you and looking at you instead of at our kids. Yeah. And so, like, am I present and am I being triggered right now? Because, you know, with Dr. Shapali's work, if if we're responding in a way that's so, reaction of mm-hmm. response. and so over the top and they didn't really do anything like so crazy like we need to look at ourselves so that's the why the m is like a magic moment so making sure every day that you have um it could be a magic minute ideally it's um, like at least 10 minutes of one-to-one time with your child where they get to direct what mm-hmm. you're doing with them and everything else gets like, you know, your phone shut off and you're fully present with them. The longer you can do that, you know, the better. But at least, you know, I had one mom who was like, it's stressing me out. And I said, could you, and that's where this came from, this the magic minute. She's like, that I could do. And I said, mm-hmm. okay, so then you come up with either that term or another term with your child and they can look forward to that magic minute every day. Right. and so that's the m when you're just in full presence with your child um and then the c again as we talked about is choice point and connection so am i moving towards or away from being a connection and then that a is what we talked about that action step or activity mm-hmm. so why i'm saying some people just respond like it yeah. helps them remember it better i have the
1: song in my head now
2: <laughs> okay good hopefully it won't drive you too crazy but it, you know we it, what, different things work for different people, right? For some it's song, for some it's -its, post-its, for some it's journal writing, whatever works for everyone. And then that habits piece is huge. So kind of changing up what they're doing. So another thing moms can do is just like their kids come home. It's okay, let's get outside right away. Mm -hmm. Um, Whereas maybe normally they do whatever they do now. It's just doing Mm -hmm. something different so that we can start to rewire that brain and take advantage of that neuroplasticity too.
1: So how do you navigate, I mean, I'm kind of gathering, I I think I know what your answer may be, but, you know, because you get resistance from moms, I have too much to do, you know, so they have all that conditioning, they've lost that childlike piece of them. And so recognizing that for their child to stay connected to their childlike sense of wonder, it means we need to start to embrace our own sense of wonder, And Mm -hmm. so you get that, I have too much to do, whatever their resistance storyline is. Where have you found the best crack, you know, to get in and be like, okay, but what if, like, and help them shift into that? You do still have that childlike playful part of you.
2: 100%. That's such a great question. And. Uh, My personality is very playful. So I've never really lost that. Even when I had masks on throughout my life, it's Mm -hmm. just my default. So, but I understand that most adults are not like that. Right. And that's part of why I'm not married anymore because it's (laughs) amazing, you know, but one Mm -hmm. of the, the best way that I've seen with the moms that I work with, believe it or not, has been this homework assignment that came up just very organically where I made the moms watch bad moms. And I told them (laughs) that their homework was to do as little as possible for that next week until we met again because we meet once a week as a group, and to just I encouraged them to journal on it because then every week when we meet, too, we talk about our wins. So now they're also starting to pay attention more to the wins Mm. where we, you know, where we place our attention is everything, and the brain naturally looks for the negative, right? Like, right, you know, that's what kept us alive back when there was tigers but that's not the case anymore and now we're the tiger moms right so when so that definitely shifted every single mom that i've ever worked with mm. and it's so interesting and so i said you're gonna you're gonna be a bad mom you're gonna watch bad moms it's not they know no they're not really a bad mom right i'm sending them clips you know like throughout the week and um and i'm telling them their only goal is to keep their kid alive but other than that, especially if they have a spouse, they're going to, a big part too of why we have so many issues with like our spouses and our kids and everyone in our world is we don't communicate well and we don't create a context. We have our own agenda and we come in and assume that they're going to know what our agenda is, right? So, you know, our, our spouse comes home and they're like, this is what we're doing this weekend. And meanwhile, you had what you, were. but if we create a context and we say, you know, I tell the moms that I work with, like, tell your husband um, if they're married, that, you know, my, my mindful mama coach is making me do this, because so it also kind of like, takes the pressure off of them. Yeah. I'm not allowed to really do much this week. I have to do as little as possible I to keep the kids alive. Other than that, I have to do what, what kind of find my joy. And that's mm-hmm. the other piece that I tie to the homework, is see if you can come up with doing one thing, at least every single day, Um, and it's, it was different for all of them. Like, I was just going to ask what kind of things did they come up with? (laughs) So, like this last round one was writing. She just loves writing. And out of that birth this whole blog that she started mm-hmm. um, out of that. Then she applied for this Ted talk that I had said, Oh, I got this thing. And so just organically once she opened that up and this was someone who was very much like, I cannot, I just don't have play. I don't, she, she couldn't even stand the sounds like she wanted and her husband the same way. Like they would hide in their room because they, it was just that it was, you know, we all have a different triggers too. Mm-hmm. So once she, but once you start becoming aware of your triggers, then I have the moms that I work with kind of step aside, take some, some deep breaths. You know, I give them some tools to regulate their system. And then they're asking, how can I now connect that back out there to connect with my child? And so, yeah, so all of those, those are, but when we create that context, we tell, you know, our spouse and our kids, this is what I'm working on in this program. So things are going to be a little bit different and we're all in this together. So I also have, uh, the moms that I that I work with like ask their spouse if they're married and their kids like what's working in this house and what isn't. You know, we we I have them interview if it works for them because there's never a one size fits all. You know, I really want to meet and do meet my parents where they're at. So for one mom, she was like, I can't like I can't do a family meeting. I can't do like I said ten minutes. I can't do certain things. It was just too much. It all felt like too much for her, and so fine, then don't do it. You know, like we figured out with every mom, like what, what just is going to work for them. So for one, it might be putting up a picture of, you know, Bernie Brown's parenting manifesto, Mm -hmm. just that everybody sees and knows this is what's important. So in my house, like every person that walks in the door knows my only rule is be kind. And they've known that like all my um the friends of my kids my own like and so that scares the crap out of a lot of parents like what do you mean you know the rules (laughs) and you know obviously I don't want anybody getting hurt but that kind of is tied to that and um and it really is huge and it's become so part of my children's core and you know another thing that moms can do and that we can all do and I can't take credit for this but one of the uh, mindfulness meditation retreats that i went on with Koi Mascara, who is my meditation teacher, uh, Dr. Az's guru, if he needs some authority, um, he, he did this activity with us where he had us write about and then paired um, us after we did so in dyads, what our... Um, like, resume up to date in terms of let's say career and all that versus, like, what would our eulogy resume mm-hmm. be? Mm-hmm. And if we, you know, if we had somebody sending our eulogy right now, like, would it be what we want? Mm-hmm. How we want I to love be? that it was it's so it was so powerful for me and again it it's tied to i think those values that at the time i didn't have the framework of acceptance and commitment therapy and choice point but i do see them as really connected and that task with the high school students that i worked with worked better than anything where i would just talk about yeah the eulogy resume and it was like it really was amazing and then they would tell their friends and i had a new principal a couple Years ago, and I said to him, "You know, he didn't have tenure, which is a big thing that you know people get nervous about when they're first mm-hmm. starting." And I said, "Instead of College Day, where kids are wearing their their college shirts, could we do like Character Day,
1: where uh-huh. kids
2: are wearing like kindness or loyalty, or for my daughter, it would have been like imagination, because she's an artist, you know?" And then that's the resume that they're building their whole life—the joy resume, the childlike sense of awe and wonder. He was like, I love that. And as soon as I get tenure, then like, you know, maybe we'll consider that. But it's to me like that is so important. And I've never had anybody say, yeah, no, that's not Mm important. You know, because it is what matters at the end of the day, more than anything.
1: I love that. The joy resume. That's such a I mean, just the concept of that is flips everything that school tells us it's supposed to be, that culture tells us and the the ability that you did that activity with high school students to have a peek into that at that age versus what you were saying at the beginning of our conversation you know people don't realize it till they're 40 50 60 70 years old so to have that as part of their foundational piece to remember at in their teen years oh my gosh it's just an incredible way for them to hold on to that playfulness that so many of us you're fortunate but I lost my playfulness in adulthood it was more you know do 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 the shoulds all of this that I it I'm still reconnecting with that playful part of me that childlike awe and you mentioned you know the getting outside that's where I find it again
2: I was just gonna say you know is that where you find it? That's or, exactly where I find art, it. A lot of people, um, art or music, but I think mm-hmm. nothing quite like nature mm-hmm. um, brings us to that place because we realize then that there's something so much bigger than us. Exactly. Well, it really does kind of stuff. Yeah, you know, it
1: does. And I spent so much time outside as a kid. That's where I was. You know, it was back in the day where it's like, get out of the house. We'll see you at dinner time. You know, and that's so-
2: why it is, I think, so much more challenging for kids nowadays, because it's just, you know, they have their devices and in school and outside of school. So, I mean, if there was one thing, like I have friends who have gone to um, some of these retreats with Gwen Mascara, where I'm like, just give it a try, you know, even if it's a half day with him. Um and, you know, cause they'll like learn from me, but it's kind of like your, mm-hmm. you know, when it's your friend or your mom, it's it a little bit. You yeah. know, and what all those um, people who had that little bit of like, you know, cynical side or uh, like perceived it as sort of woo woo. What the biggest takeaway for all of them was just when they had to be without their phone mm. for even a couple hours, the, shock at how good that felt is what was surprising to them. They, they felt like it was going to be really hard, but they didn't think that there would be so much positive that came out of it. And that's what they took uh, over the long haul too. I think that piece more than anything else um, because we don't realize what, you know we don't know what we don't know. And if you're constantly attached to your device um, it's not until you're away from it for a while That you realize, oh, my gosh, I just feel because otherwise we are constantly in that hyper arousal state and we're expected to multitask and multitasking is, you know, there's brain research to show you just can't do it. So it's, it's putting like so much additional stress, like chemically that we feel in our body and our nervous system is just so like out of whack because we're, you know, notifications are popping up and, you know, this is where like my diagnosis of ADHD is a gift in a lot of ways, because people look at me like, don't you hear your phone? Like, boop, boop, boop. Oh, and you know, I have 4 million, like unread emails and <laughs> doesn't that bother you that you see that number? And I'm like, nope, you know? Can
0: and- you say that just made me become hyper arousal that you have 4 million. I have to clear my emails immediately if I have more than 10 or 15 texts.
2: 4,841. Oh wow. my
0: god, that just made me hyper. Isn't that fascinating? It's <laughs> not even you my just
2: phone. See with that in your body.
1: See? How do you feel? And they're that? not even yours. It's not even my phone. <laughs>
2: yeah, I know. Yeah. But that's the reaction that I get, even from you know, even from my own kids who do this with me since forever.
0: Yeah. Because
2: it is the world that we're we're living in. And then also brings to the table like our personalities. So, you know, I'm not by nature someone who has to have things in a certain way. And there's a downside to that, you know, like organizing is really really hard for me I have to work at it it's the number one reason why my marriage didn't work you know I would always mm-hmm. say no one ever died saying I wish I did one more dish <laughs> you know? yeah. so like he and and your drawings, yeah. you're drawn to are opposite so right. he, he I think wanted that that free spirit play um but like my aunt the social worker says we basically were married to each other's version of hell you know he had more of those mm-hmm. like OCD kinds of tendencies. I had the ADD, yeah. and it was so you have to, it's, it's about balance and it's about, like I said, small changes in terms yeah. of habits and our sort of default. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, yeah. so I think, and, and that magic minute or 10 minutes that we do with our kids has been another great way that the moms that I've worked with have been able to rediscover the play, you know, uh, just to... Yep expand a little more on the question that you asked T, about how how you can find it again Mm -hmm. and so when we are connecting with our kids and they're taking the lead um, they're surprised to find wow I really loved you know coloring or painting um, or being outside I, I also if I could I would never wear shoes that's just me Mm -hmm. and so there's a lot of research around that too Mm -hmm. now just being like walking and you know on grass and and grounding it's called and it really offsets some of that like you know radiation Mm -hmm. junk that comes out of those devices so I tell parents get outside with your kids and get barefoot (sighs) and I don't care if it's winter you know like what's the likelihood you're gonna get frosted you know if you we do assume it you know, but I don't tell my New Yorkers that because they will soon. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, but but, but nature is huge and art and, mm-hmm. and music. And then kids are, you know, if our intention and our goal, we do more for our kids than we do for ourselves. Right. So if we, uh, and especially the moms that I'm working with, like they do tend to be my ideal clients. So they are so invested in, uh, in trying a different way because um, like you said, even if, You know what do you say to moms who are like I can't do it I can't do it right like I have so much going on just getting back to that other question too it's I ask them how is that serving you Mm -hmm. like or if I want to not be so like psychologist like like how's that working out for you right you know as they're like you know drinking their barrel of wine and talking about their one moment of escape that they're going to get and calling that self care when it's really Mm escape from their own life for a brief moment like that's no way to live and so while we think that we're stuck in our way. And that's why I think COVID, what with all of the negative that came along with it, there was, if we took advantage of it, which I certainly did, um, there was that pause. There was that mm-hmm. opportunity that we will, may never get again in our life. Mm-hmm. Um, and and unlike any other opportunity we ever had in our life, to really stop and pause and evaluate like what's working and what's not. And we're still, we're at this, you know, paradigm shift moment in education in, I think in every aspect of the world right now. And there is, uh, there's still time for pause and reflection. So Mm -hmm. if you're listening to this, you know, take stock of what is working and what's not, and whatever's not working, change it, but do it with somebody. Get a coach, get a therapist, get, get somebody who is going to encourage you to make those changes because that's the other essential piece mm-hmm. is surrounding yourself with other people who are going to be open to and encourage you to make some changes mm-hmm. because the majority of people and the brain, the way it works is it likes, it doesn't like change. Mm-hmm. It likes predictability, even if your predictable life sucks. Right. Because it finds safety in that security. Mm -hmm. And so if we know that, that's why I also talk so much about brain research with my high schoolers, but even with my own kids, because they get it. And if we say like, this is the brain, it's tricking you because it's not, you know, and you could say thank you for trying to keep me safe brain, but also I'm miserable. Yes, I want to be happy. I have this one life to live and what can I look at? And the brain's going to freak out if it's like something so dramatic, like changing your career or, you know, getting divorced or something like that. So you're not going to go straight away to that. It's going to be something small first. So Mm -hmm. like, you know, maybe it is this week, I started my small changes. I'm on day three of putting water next to my bed and drinking it. Mm Because I suck at, you know, drinking water. Um, And so, making those small changes. And also this year I've surrounded myself with people who really wanna make a big change in the world and who are Mm -hmm. just so good hearted and doing the best they can, who show up messy. And that's freaking awesome because that's real, Mm -hmm. that's authentic, that's masks off, right? And that's everything. So um, that's really important too. You wanna surround yourself with people who are going to help you move forward in um, changing your life, so that it, so you can be happy. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: Well, Thanks. this has been absolutely amazing. Like, what a great conversation! So many great pointers for all of our listeners. Tia has a few quick questions that we rapid fire questions, and then I'm going to ask you at the end to just share um, with the listeners how they can find you. So, Tia, do you want to go ahead
1: and shoot with those questions? I am ready. Are you ready, Jen? All right. So here it's play, right? So this is another way of how play can look differently. It doesn't always have to be what you think it is. It can be playful in so many different ways, that creativity piece. So number one, what's the most prominent mask you wear or have worn and are working on taking off? Uh,
2: um, So the... The most prominent mask. I didn't wear a mask until I went to, I think, until I got to college. And until I started uh, defining success like mm. most people. Because prior to that, I didn't. I lived out loud. Mm. I was confident. I was free. I really practiced all those C's. The curiosity, the creativity, the connection, the confidence, like um, community, and Then I went to Binghamton, and suddenly I wasn't like the best anymore, and things Mm. didn't come so easy, and I felt isolated, and so I started putting on a mask, Mm. and then I did that for 20 years, and a lot of that, too, is when I was diagnosed with ADHD, and I started taking medication, and I didn't have that ignorance as bliss state Mm -hmm. anymore that people used to say to me, I wish I could be like that, and it was... Papa Pale, oh, this is why everybody's scared of posting things, this is why, and I started wearing that mask, and so um, when I started practicing mindfulness, though, I took the mask off, Mm -hmm. and I teased, Corey to my teacher, I said, you should have had one of those little, like, surgeon general warnings. Your whole life's going to change, and I got divorced, and I I just woke up, and once you Mm -hmm. wake up and you start seeing, you know, showing up for your life, you can't unsee, Mm -hmm. so you can even, I guess, get a... you know, a tougher mask. I don't know. But there, that was not an option for me. Yeah. So I thought I took the mask off. But every day, there's more and more layers that I don't know about until the next day.
1: Right, right. I love that. And you're helping others take off the mask that you had put on. It's yeah. beautiful. So if you could go anywhere in the world right now, where would you go?
2: Oh, gosh. <laughs> My initial thought and prompt, it was just kind of like a time machine, so I can hop around. But no, it was also Bali. I don't know. I just like I somewhere that I've, I've wanted to go. And
1: mm-hmm. yeah. That sounds amazing. So what's your favorite way to take care of yourself?
2: Playing, playing, mm-hmm. being outside in nature, barefoot connecting with my kids, listening to their laughter, which I think is, is nature's mm-hmm. true medicine. Um, and just being not doing.
1: Love it. If you have a bucket list, what's at the top of it?
2: Uh, to keep doing what I've been doing in the last year, which is taking each moment intentionally and saying like, am I living as authentically as possible? Mm. Am I modeling for my kids, like the lessons that I want them to be picking up Um, and connecting. that's a goal for me because I still Mm. do have that habit of of working and especially new to this, newer to this entrepreneurial world. You know, I, I love learning. And so I could just, you know, spend 20 hours reading, but then I'm not connecting. So trying, you know, self-care, I think that's, that's part of it. And honoring, um, you know, like for me by nature, I'm more of an extrovert, whereas my kids tend to be a little more introvert. Like, so what's going to energize me is different than what's energizing them. So for me, self-care is, is this is connecting, you know, Mm -hmm. with amazing women like you.
1: Awesome. And then the last question is what's one book that changed your life?
2: Oh, four agreements. Absolutely. Um, it's become like my Bible. I would recommend it to everyone. It's actually free online, so anyone can read it. Um, but it's, yeah, that be impeccable with your word. Don't take mm-hmm. things personally, don't make assumptions and always do your best. And knowing that mm-hmm. like your best may be different, you know, one moment and the next. Exactly. So those yes, that book has been this guidepost for more aligned, authentic mm-hmm. living.
1: And what's so beautiful is it's simple. It shows you it doesn't have to be complicated.
2: Absolutely. I feel like those Italians with their cooking, it's always (laughs) simple. Like I think about that. And it it is the most simple. It's like that's why kids instinctually know that you don't need all the things and everything. It's so ironic. But simplicity really is where the true joy and the true bliss is. Um, yeah, I love those questions. Thank mm-hmm. you. Yeah. Thank you so much again for
0: being here today and being part of our podcast. So if people want to get in touch with you, how can they get in touch with you? Where can thank I find you? Thank
2: you for having me, first of all. It was so ah.
0: A pleasure.
2: Um, i adore you both um so they could find me on my website it's jen zash j-e-n-z-a-s-h dot com and on there is information about me and about my program um and then i'm also co-authoring a book uh on a, a new paradigm of education awesome and so that's going to be coming out um probably in july Um, initially we were thinking release June, but it's looking more like July and it's with authors from around the world in all different kinds of educational settings. So you That's have brought up before something about a new paradigm of education. I love it. I just wanted to make sure I mentioned that. So yeah, so I yeah. Until it comes out. Yes, yeah, so amazing. That too. So to be we'll curious. have
1: to get the, once you have the link for it, we can add it to the show notes because this will be coming out in July. So you may have it by then. If not, we can always add it in later for people who listen to yeah. this and then they can access awesome. it. Because so in sure. there, there
2: will be a lot more um, in terms of the questions that you asked about what parents can do what educators to do to maintain that sense of mm-hmm. joy, and joy and wonder and connection and all of that so
0: that is exciting this has been such a powerful powerful interview podcast so thank you so much jen thank yeah. you
2: thank you and if i could do anything to support the both of you and your mission please let me know
0: Thanks, we jen. definitely will we definitely will so thank you everybody for listening watching supporting And hope you enjoyed this
1: podcast. Take care, everybody. Thanks, everyone. Take care. Bye. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Masks Off. If you enjoyed this episode, please
0: hit subscribe and share with friends and family. Check out the show notes for how to contact
1: us. Remove your masks. Live your life. See you next time on Masks Off.